So if there's an opportunity and, and someone says, why? I say, why the hell not? Why not? Just come up with the plan and then execute it and put your all into it. This is Catalyst, the stories behind the people building a better York. Welcome to Catalyst. I'm Rebecca Hanlon of Our York Media, and later on today we'll be chatting with Tony Calderon of Juan Hospitality. We'll talk to her about her ties to York's godfather of pizza, what it's like to double down to make payroll, and how she overcomes imposter syndrome to stand on her own. Before we get into that, here's a quick story about a York College student making a difference in York, brought to you by our title sponsor, York College of Pennsylvania's Center for Community Engagement. There is no project as exciting as the revitalization of the Yorktown Hotel. The future home of the Hilton Tapestry Collection, this icon of downtown York packs the potential to thrust York into the future as a hub for life's most celebrated moments. The project brings on some of York's brightest through a partnership with York College of Pennsylvania. Andrew Fair was one of three hospitality management students to jump into the project. They not only had a chance to learn from the professionals leading the charge, but to play their own role in bringing the Yorktown Hotel back to life. Andrew, what's been one of the most exciting parts of this project for you? Um, just overall, being a part of the project is a huge honor. Um, being able to work with the likes of the YCIDA and the YCEA has been really important to us, um, not only because we go to York College here, but because we are going to school for hospitality, at least for the few of us. And like our big passion is to make these connections with these companies and to be able to actually get engaged and involved with these companies. So I think it's really exciting to be able to sit in on those meetings and hear from the likes of Jack Kay and Kim Hogman and all of the managers and architects from the YCIDA and hear really what they're doing how the project's going along, what phases they have, and what they plan for the future. Awesome. Not many college students have the chance to be part of a project that impacts an entire community right. like this one does. So what are you most proud of when it comes to your contributions to the Yorktown? I'm just proud that as a York College student at the young age of 20 that I'm able to make some involvement there that will last forever because once the Yorktown is finished being revitalized, it's going to be there forever. It's not just, you know, a one, two, three, or four year thing like my college program is for four years, but it's a lasting impact that in 20 years when I take my kids into that hotel, it could be like I had a contribution in bringing this hotel back to life and revitalizing this for the York community. Andrew, thank you for taking the time to talk to us about the Yorktown Hotel project today. We can't wait to see the doors reopen and know that you played a part in bringing that back to life. This season of Catalyst is supported by Stock & Leader Attorneys at Law. At Stock & Leader, our attorneys provide more than legal advice. We provide first-to-know expertise and a client-centered service through a collaborative team approach. We're more than your lawyers. We're your complete resource for legal insight and your partner for a fast-paced changing world. When decisions matter, Stock & Leader. And now it's time to meet our catalyst. So we're here today with Tony Calderon, the president and CEO of One Hospitality Group, the epicenter of a lot of cool things that have popped up in New York the past several years. We're talking about Tony's Restaurant, Taste Test, The King George, uh, Herb and Herd, 
retail location at Central Market, and then your catering division, and an all-new Rigatoni food truck. I think I got everything there, right? <laughs> okay. <Sounds> about right. <laughs> so you grew up in a pizza shop. Mm-hmm. You worked your first real job at McDonald's. You were the youngest person to be hired at Boca de Beppo, Italian restaurant chain, where you made an impression on the CEO. You went on to work at Darden's Season 52 concept, came back to York, and started building this restaurant empire. Uh, yet you claim you never wanted to own a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> After all this like list of, of experience and things that you worked in that you never really wanted to do that. So talk to us about how that even came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for the introduction. It's always like, well, I do all that. <laughs> we want to hear like, it up front. Here's what you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in order to execute all those things. Yeah, I didn't want a restaurant. That's a true story. Um, I grew up in, in the restaurant industry where my family was always working. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to grow up and be a school teacher, and I'm going to be at home with my kids at 5 o'clock making dinner and putting them to bed because that's something I never had. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not what happened. It's not where my, my destiny led me. So growing up in Alberta, I mean, my earliest memories were my son's five, and I was younger than him in the restaurant every night that I could be in the bar with my parents. And uh, it was Alberta's back room right off of, of Queen Street. And I was like five years old, remember talking to customers and, and there was a hole in the vestibule and you would walk in in the, in the wall and I'd like poke my head out and welcome people to Alberto's. And my grandmother would put me up on the tables and I'd like pretend to take orders. So it's literally embedded in me. And then uh, we moved down to Florida when my grandfather retired and I um, wanted to go figure out how corporate America did it. So I was 15 years old, found out that they hired at 15 at McDonald's and I signed up, got the job and learned how they did it. And, uh, you know, I had, had goals for myself. I never just did something. I always had a goal. And you know it's embedded in you from a young age. So I wanted to get on the back drive through window. And I worked my way up to that and um, just felt what it was like to accomplish a goal. And when I was 16, I would go into our family's favorite restaurant, uh, Buca de Beppo. It wasn't ours, but it was an Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we loved going there. And I really wanted to be a hostess because they would take you through these tours and explain this cool concept to you. And they wouldn't hire under 18. And I was like, wait a minute, McDonald's hired me at 15. Why won't you hire me? So I wrote a letter to corporate every week for about three months until they finally hired me. And uh, the manager calls me up and he's like, look, I don't know what you did, but you've got to come in for an interview. And I changed the rules and they hired me. And then a couple months later and I was working there, the CEO of the, uh, of the brand came down from Milwaukee and he's like send that hostess in he was sitting in the bar room and it was like a mafia scene <laughs> he's like in the corner and he asked for me to come over and he's like sit down and I was like what he goes you realize that your tenacity changed the rules of how my company works and I was like uh-huh I was terrified and he's like no that's a good thing yeah don't ever lose that tenacity and that kind of set with me and uh I was like all right I, I could do I changed the rules I'm here and then you know uh, carried on with me throughout my career. I did it again at Darden. Seasons 52 was a brand new concept in Altamont Springs, Florida, and they wouldn't hire under 21. And I got hired at 20 because I was like, I'll be 21, but you're going to want me to work with you because I do great work. Yeah. And uh, it's just that knowing who you are and what you can offer and what you bring to the table and then having great mentorship while I was growing up to really help me cultivate that. It led me back to York. So I met Tony through the family and when I moved up here, I moved into, you know, downtown York and 
realized that a wine bar was needed, and I kind of cultivated the the vision there for a vintage wine bar. So, so how old were you when you came back to York? I was about 23. Okay. 23. So I had grown up down in Orlando and mm-hmm. then came back up here and just saw it as an a blank slate to be able to really come up with ideas. Explain to us a little bit, you know, you ended up moving into Kodo mm-hmm. when yeah. when it was brand spanking new. Yeah, they weren't even done the construction yet, and I was in there like, where can I live? Which apartment unit's going to be mine? Yeah, I was really intrigued to what they were doing downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What gave you the idea when you're looking at downtown at that time that what this place needs is a wine bar? Right, right. So when I first came back up here, 23, was it uh, 11 years ago? Um <laughs> There was hard. Well, there wasn't anything really. It was it was harp and fiddle, and there was left bank, and then obviously White Rose has been mm-hmm. around for eighty years, and that was it. I think it was Fishers, and then went out of business. So I was like, we need something. Mm-hmm. We need a wine bar. And Bill Schwartz at the time was given walkthroughs, and he's like, open one. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> so that just became a vision and an execution plan. Just like I was tenacious enough to do things prior to that experience, I just said, all right, I'm gonna make my mind up and do it. That's yeah. it. And that's what happened. I made my mind up and kind of went around the block trying to find the right location for it. I went through, I mean, every single open storefront downtown I've been in one or two times and uh, just started really cultivating the business plan and the model of what it was going to be. And then the home was going to land at Two West. So I don't know if everybody has seen for years now the future (laughs) home of Vintage Wine Bar and Oak Room Cigar Lounge. But that was something that never came to fruition. And uh, it was a defeat. We went after the economic redevelopment liquor license, which uh, at the time Kevin Triber was the redevelopment authority, acting as the redevelopment authority, and uh, was just really a friend and a mentor through the whole process. Yeah. So it literally was developing relationships. It took me about six years to get open, but in those six years, I was developing relationships and finding the need and then developing the want. Yeah. So I was really getting to know my community is what was happening. And... Uh, going after that economic redevelopment license, which is a unique liquor like liquor license to this community, mm-hmm. to the state, actually. And um, we broke a lot of ground with that, with there being a 50-50 split now ratio between food sales and liquor sales, because Kevin went on to become the state rep, and he took that under his wing and made it a law that it changed in order to be able to give others the chance of getting that license. It just didn't happen in New York because we were already over... over uh, compensated in liquor license for the county but it led us to um, developing more relationships and getting more interest from the community as to what we were trying to accomplish for York City so we got on the cover of the paper several times for this feat we've gotten a lot of you know followers we had a Facebook page up and open before we were even open just to hear our story and what was what was happening Mm -hmm. from it and uh yeah, it was just it was it was an adventure, but the tenacity that we had to never give up on a vision led us to where we ended up with two Tonys. Why didn't vintage work? Vintage didn't work out because we were undercapitalized. When I wrote my first business plan, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And uh, you put it on paper, but executing it is a whole different game. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting financed in in the in the hospitality world, there is no money at banks. There's creative ways of going about it, but if you're not in business for at least three years, you're not being looked at from a financial institution. Um, it's no longer what it used to be. You know, my grandfather came over here from Sicily, and he moved to York City, and he was the first of the literal boatloads coming in to the country. And then, you know, finding a home in York County and mostly in the city. There's a lot of Catola Keezy out there. 
that uh, my grandfather's responsible for a lot of them to sponsor them and getting them in, into the into the uh, the nation. And when he wanted to open up a pizza shop, like he went up to New York, he learned the business, and then he brought it down and mm-hmm. he opened up a pizza shop. He put, you know, a couple hundred bucks together and they they made it happen. And it's just not that way anymore. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Liquor licenses are hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then, you know, your startup costs on top of it. So at 23, 24 years old, unless my family is not going to put up their entire life's work on my dreams now, that's that's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was just trying to figure out how to get it done. And unfortunately, you know, that was just too big of a of a project to take on for our first one. Sure. You know. Um, people might remember uh, the sign on North George before Chitoni's was in that space, the, the I'm changing sign, yeah. the young lady in a towel. Yeah, people <laughs> thought that was me. I'm like, no. <laughs> nope. What were some of the early challenges that you had? You know, you talked about like the getting bank support is, is mm-hmm. impossible unless you've been in business that long. It's just not the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. What were some of the other challenges that you faced in going through that transition where that, that sign became your, your, your window and your storefront now instead of that changing sign. Right, right. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to look back on it. I mean, it was vacant for a while, and we're fortunate enough that in this town it's very old and, and a space has been something six, seven, eight, nine times before it gets to you. Mm-hmm. Well, our, thank God our space was an Italian restaurant, so it worked for us. And uh, it went from a vision of a wine bar now to a full full-fledged Italian restaurant because there wasn't one downtown besides Sam's Sam and Tony's but I mean there wasn't one that we were trying to execute my vision for this town is not to do something that all of the Italians before us are doing great Mm -hmm. I didn't want to create competition for that I wanted to do something that's completely unique to the area um to, to work together so we wanted to do scratch pastas we wanted to do what the old country taught my family as far as my heritage goes and just bring it to locally inspired fresh ingredients and um the rustic feel of what our menu was met up with what the rustic feel that Sal had done in that building with his architecture he built everything by hand Mm. and he was open for a short stint with the Coliseo and then he was vacant for about two years before we were able to take it over it was leased by someone else and then when that lease let up we were all over it Mm. And um, we were BYOB, so we kind of had to, to make it happen. Whatever it was going to take to let our dream come true. We had those wine systems in our basement for a very long time before we even opened our, our bar. Yeah. And uh, we just knew that we were going to get to that point. And it just took a lot of work to get there. What kept you open over those hurdles? How did you keep going? <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> so... <laughs> So like I mentioned, it was it was hard down in downtown being, you know, one of two. And the ones that were already on the block have been there for years and years and years right. and years. So if you're a new kid on the block, um, you have to know your community. You have to realize who you're serving and anything it takes to get their business and then keep their business. I heard, I listened, and I wanted to uh, make something happen for that for that experience. Unfortunately, without booze, it was a lot harder to keep the overhead going. So, funny story, my father is actually a professional blackjack player, so I grew up going to the most phenomenal places and experiencing a lot of the finer restaurants. And um, I also took that perk and asked him to double down our money at the end of the week, and he would take it to the casino over the weekend, and we would be able to pay payroll one more time, one more time. And that would go on for months at a time. 
until we were able to build the brand. And um, from that, we had a lot of followers and a lot of believers. And to get open, I didn't, I didn't explain how we got open, but I had a, a family friend and then I had a family member put yeah. their money together and we opened up with pennies mm. and I did some minor renovations and I didn't have the working capital that I needed in order to get through those slow months. And again, it was just my tenacity, just get it open, I'll figure it out later. And uh, it might have to do with being a, a blackjack player's daughter or not, but <laughs> you know, you go, you go for broke and you put your whole heart and soul into it. And if you're lucky enough, your community believes in you and they keep supporting it, which is what I found with my grandfather. This, this town has been great to my family for three generations now. My cousin's running the Alberta's out in Spry. Mm. And I mean, people come into your restaurant and they tell you how they know your family. That wasn't always going to be my, my MO into that restaurant. Like, hey, I'm Alberto's granddaughter. But as soon as I moved up here and people were like, oh my God, you're Alberto's granddaughter. That kind of, it kind of became my driving force that I owed it now. It wasn't just my dream anymore. It's kind of like I owed it to this town to put my roots in here deep, and now my son's going to grow up in it, which will be fourth generation. And it just it feeds back into that whole York mentality of the town grows deep with roots and community, and it's two degrees of separation, and they want to see cool things happen, and they want to they want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. They want to see your vision, and then they want to be part of it. How did that family experience influence you? You know, when you're you're in there every day and you're working it, mm-hmm. how did you have this this history of being this, you know, it, you had these Italian restaurant roots in York, mm-hmm. you know, even though you spent a lot of your life in Florida, that that was a big part of, of, of who you were. How did that influence you in the day-to-day of what you were doing in the restaurant? Right. So, I mean, a big part of it is I'm a mommy now too, right? And I my son was six months old and I passed him on to my nanny to mm-hmm. help help raise them and then my parents and I go all in I'm all in in helping cultivate my first baby and owing owing what I know to the future of the town and not only to the town I I have bigger plans on what I'm developing with behind taste test and Mm -hmm. why taste test came to fruition I'm fortunate enough that I've had family develop those roots for me everybody isn't fortunate enough especially nowadays to have that continuing generational story and legacy being built so it's hard to it's hard to express how important it means to me to be able to start something grow something and own something in a city that was so good to my family so when I go to work every day when I keep working harder and harder it's not just for what my family did for me and left behind for me but it's also for what I can do for people coming up in the game so like what I've learned by support and what I've learned by mentorship, by everybody who's involved in this town, I can help to spread that to people coming through Taste Test. Mm. Maybe you can't get financing the conventional way, but I'm working on something to help, sure. you, help you out there. So, I mean, it's, it started here for me, and it'll, it'll go bigger here for me um, when, when things come down the pipeline with what I have developing with Taste Test and the end game for that. You have all these things that you're, you know, you're constantly working on here just to, to run a business and, and have the many things that you have going on. Mm-hmm. But when you take the time to kind of look back at that legacy that your grandparents built, mm-hmm. um, when you have a moment where you're finally not you know, running around just trying to keep everything going, mm-hmm. how do you correlate that with, with them? How do you kind of resonate that in your personal life? Yeah, so it's it's been hard for me over the last couple of years because I wasn't able to, even though my grandfather was 
around when I was starting this. He was starting at early onset dementia. And I would want to go to him and be like, hey, remember, do you remember this? Do you remember that? And, you know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't remember. So I'd try to find different creative ways in order to help him see what I was doing, you know. And uh, my grandmother, she's still sharper than a the chef's knife. <laughs> she um she has Parkinson's, so she can't come up here. But thank God for things like Facebook and those outlets, media outlets, where I could be like, "Hey, look here, look what I'm doing up here." And she's just so proud. And they never thought that you know any of their grandkids would do that up here because they thought they're, they're they were done up here. Mm-hmm. So when it's um it hits nerve because I would really have liked to let my grandfather see it because he started Alberto's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it was the first pizza shop. And then from that, all the other ones started opening. And, uh, it's, uh, for instance, I went to lunch when I first moved up here at my last job and, uh, we went to Moonlight Cafe and Vito Rendo was running it at the time. And he walks up to me and he's like, yeah, you're Alberto's granddaughter. I said, yeah. He goes to the gentleman that I was at lunch with. He says, you know, you're in the presence of the, gr- the godfather of pizza. This is her, his granddaughter. She, he, yeah, we owe everything mm. to her grandfather or we wouldn't be here because he would sponsor all of these Italians to come to this town and be able to start their lives. So that's huge pressure for me, but also so much pride. Yeah. And um, don't I didn't hear any of that in Florida. And I come mm. up here and I meet the people, I feed the people, and I see the people and know the people who this happened for. And then they're generally like, I'm hanging out with their grandkids and hearing, oh, yeah, your grandfather. And I don't know. It's just, it's a unique, it's a unique uh, story behind a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe that community is so much more than that. Coming together and, you know, supporting can bring you so much farther together than it could alone. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why I named my company O&E Hospitality. So it's the last three letters of our last name, but it's also the meaning of together as one, we're stronger as a community than we are individually. So each um, concept under that brand supports each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tutoni's being the forefront of all of that. I've heard, you know, why don't you sell your pasta? So we came up with Urban Herd. We want Italian meats and cheeses again. So this is like our little tiny way of starting because I couldn't. It's, I, I do things small and mm-hmm. then I focus on them. So Urban Herd's in a small way. It's Central Market and we're starting to see that there's a need for it. King George was a small way in my basement to see if there's a nightlife around for York City. Mm-hmm. So we're cultivating it. And then taste test is a way to help other, you know, cooks and home chefs want to live their dream and see if they want to dedicate the 15 hours of their time before they go into an empty storefront and dedicate their entire life to it. Right. On on a trampoline rather than, you know, they get catapulted into the community rather than falling and crashing and burning because it's a people business, 100%. You'll never change the hospitality industry. It's 100% a people business. Mm-hmm. And your product just happens to be food. And I take that very seriously. My conference table is at everybody's dinner table. So I take that and I, I cultivate ideas and then I'm fortunate enough to be able to develop teams to help execute them. It's not all me. I'm not doing all these things by myself, but together we're able to do more, more, an abundance of change in a city that, you know, wants it, warrants it, needs it. You, you have all these different concepts that have come together, um, and more ideas continue to come, I know, but, but in Tony's and in Taste Test and, and the things that you do, do you think you've done what you've wanted to for York? That's a big question. Um... I feel like I'm humble, I'm humbled enough and gracious enough to be able to come up with ideas and be able to, to do them and try them and test them and have such a supportive community to, 
to kind of figure out which ones will stay and which ones will go. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I feel like I've done all I wanted to for York? Not yet. I feel like I'm just getting started. Um, I I, I try not to scare people with how big my dreams are, but I have this vision and this execution plan of creating something so unique for the restaurant and hospitality world and how financing is done because of my trials and tribulations that Mm -hmm. I had to go through in order to get where I'm at and the tenacity that I was fortunate enough to have good mentors to cultivate that instead of scare that away. What I am trying to do with Taste Test is starting in York and we're going to work on bringing it to other locations like York that big cities are overdone. Two Tonys in in Orlando would be, uh, big deal, what's, give me the next thing. I mean, it's the land of Disney World, like you can't compete. But up here, if you if you really get to know your audience, there's opportunity. And same thing of little towns all over the country. That's how this this country was founded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Little small towns that grew into big conglomerates. So my thing is, corporate America is coming in and tarnishing all of that. You go to the same town across the entire nation. It's the same five restaurants you see, and it's ridiculous. They just keep getting more and more money, and more and more. You know watered down it's not real food it's and I don't mean any offense to anything but you know I was born and raised in in the uh the the industry and then I see what happened with produce my father being a produce broker for 25 years and it's even a simple tomato is not even the same anymore so we owe it to the community in which we're in to find the local grower shake his hand sell his product keep his kids in soccer soccer practice it's that easy and we're losing that because everybody's getting greedy Mm. And I mean, it's smart, but I'm calling it as I see it. And I, I have an opportunity to do something with the small piece of the world that I own. And that's Taste Test and Two Tonys. So people who come through will have an opportunity to share their story. And then the community comes together and supports that story. So $200,000 is a lot of money to a bank. Mm-hmm. A bank will say no. What do you have to collateralize against it? $200,000 spread throughout the community in order to see your favorite taco restaurant open up and now you can go eat your favorite tacos and then see a return on those tacos is huge. So it's something that's being done in different industries such as the gaming world or the movie world, but it's not being done in the food world and the hospitality world. And that's something you can get instant gratification on. So this is something I've been formulating with my family for 15 years Mm -hmm. and it's something that I've kind of just taken over as my own and, and running with it. So Taste Test was its first incubator of incubators to be able to execute that plan. So what I've learned and what I've grown up with and what I've had instilled in me generations deep, I want to share that in a bigger way by allowing the American dream to come back, Mm. by allowing the person who says, I really want to open a restaurant, not have to go through all of the hurdles that everybody else tells them they have to go through. Here's here. Sell sell the community in what you're building in. Tell your story, prove yourself, and then be invested in. Part of your story, um, when you and I have talked, um, otherwise you've mentioned that you know you first came back to York from Florida. You felt like you had to use your family ties mm-hmm. as a foot in the door. Yes, um, that was the story that you used to help you kind of get that footholding. Do you feel like now that you can stand on your own, do you still have that foot in the door? I feel like I go through this thing called imposter syndrome all the time. Um, my family was kind of like my security blanket. Okay, I've got the cosign. I get to start 10 feet ahead than where I was going to start, which has helped. And it's given me the confidence in the, in the college that I had to go through the last five years in order to become my own developed business owner. Um, I'm always learning every single second of every single day. 
my confidence builds with everything that I accomplish, the, the difference it makes in people's lives, like having a rehearsal dinner or sharing big events in people's lives. Like they had confidence in me. I better have confidence mm-hmm. in me at this point. And um, it's just, it's mind blowing from day to day to be able to see your reservations build and people wanting to spend their evenings with you. I take that very seriously. And uh, now that, you know, I mean, I, I was two Tonys for a long time. We still are Tony and Tony, but we're, the marriage part failed, but our partnership mm-hmm. is very strong. And it was coming on my own too, because everybody always assumed it was both of us and I'm always at the forefront. And, uh, you know, finding your footing and speaking for women out there who, you know, are in marriages and they're strong together. And then also sp- trying to find my own voice in all of mm. it. And um, now trying to find a voice for all of my taste testers. And being in an industry where there's only 2% of female restaurateurs, I've got a big shoes to fill. Yeah. Which is why I always choose high heels. <laughs> if I'm going to get it done, I'm going to be six inches taller. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah, five threes. So I got to feel a little, a little big for my britches. No, but um, it's I, I wouldn't want to build and develop my plan or my my dream and my day-to-day life's work anywhere else but York yeah it's more meaningful it's absolutely the reason uh I mean my son's at York Academy and I we live breathe eat sweat York City so if there's an opportunity and and someone says why I say why the hell not mm-hmm. why not just come up with the plan and then execute it and put your all into it and um it's 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 flattering to see you know other restaurateurs come downtown and want to start up, based on the fact that they see all this foot traffic and this this experience that's happening downtown. They want to be part of it. Awesome. We need twenty more. Mm. We need thirty more. I mean, we want to be a thriving downtown community, and the fact that you know I just jumped. I just went for it. I couldn't tell you how many people told me not to do it in New York City, when I was starting Two Tonys. Yeah. Why would you go down there? There's nothing down. There. That's exactly why you go down there, because you want more people to come. You want more things to happen. And, and, you know, food brings that together faster than anything. So I'm going to put my neck out there and I'm going to do it. We're just going to do it. We're going to figure it out. I don't know how. We'll take the money to the tables, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And I think if you have that attitude, it just gets you far. No yeah. matter what it is. It could be anything. Right? And it's happened. You're it, seeing that. I am. Yeah. I'm seeing that. Yep. Well, Tony, thank you for coming to sit with us today and share a little bit of the background behind your story. Really appreciate that you've opened that up for us and and given us that background thank you it's a huge honor to be here I love what you guys are doing and to be considered a catalyst I don't (laughs) I don't know if I believe that yet but it's exciting to think that I could play with the people that you've interviewed so far well we know that you have other things in the works and there's more to come so Mm -hmm. everybody can keep an eye out for that yeah yeah I would love that thank you so much thanks appreciate it if you want to check out more episodes of Catalyst, visit ariorkmedia.com slash catalyst for show notes and more. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and bonus points for leaving a review. This project was funded in part by the York Social Venture Challenge Grant from the York County Community Foundation. Our title sponsor is York College of Pennsylvania Center for Community Engagement with support from Stock and Leader Attorneys at Law. This show is produced by Will Hanlon and Caleb Robertson. I'm Rebecca Hanlon, and you've been listening to Catalyst from Our York Media.